This is my associate, Chelly Palmer. Uh, he's going to be working with me. Uh, just so there's no misunderstanding, uh, um, in spite of the rumors that you might have heard, your investment in Freaks is just as solid as the day you signed your participation agreement. Yeah, I can hear you, man, but where the fuck are you? Right here. Yeah. What I've been wondering is, where's he been? Yeah. Where you been, Harry? We haven't heard from you lately. In New York, I was interviewing actors, scouting locations, uh, kind of thing. But the uh, main thing is that Freaks is going to be put off for a couple of months. A couple of months? Yeah. Just a couple of months, yeah. We, we need more, uh, um, perhaps. Hey, Harry, bullshit, man. We have an agreement with you. No, no, we're, we're going to do this picture. We are going to do this picture. I just have another project to do first, the one I promised this guy uh, for years. I want to see your books, Harry. Just show me where it is. A two with five zeros after it in black and white. I want to see your books. I want to see your fucking bank statements. Hey, want... Ronnie, look at me. You have a piece of a movie. That's all, not a piece of Harry. If he wants to do another movie this year, that's how it's gonna be. Excuse me, bro, but who the fuck are you? I'm the one telling you how it is. Okay. What is this other movie you're doing first, Harry? Well, let me Harry, show. Harry, let me answer this one. First of all, who am I talking to? Am I talking to him or am I talking to you? You can talk to me. That's what I thought. Let me put it this way. Outside of freaks, it's none of your fucking business what we do. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hey, here it is right here. This, this is the project. Mr. Lovejoy. Uh, I don't want you guys to think that I'm trying to put something over on you. That This is it. Mr. Loveboy? Well, what is it, Harry? A porno flick? Oh, no. It's fluff. It's, uh, you wouldn't be interested in it. You think we go to see your movies, Harry? I've seen better film on teeth. <laughs> it makes no difference to me which one our money's in. So how about you just take out 20 points out of Freaks and put them in this other one, this Mr. Loveboy? No, I can't, I can't do that. You're positive about that? Yeah, it's a different kind of deal. It's a structured. <laughs> okay. They'd be good enough to hand us our money back. Or you think about us coming in on this new deal. You let us know. By Friday, man. Oh, you're fucking dead as disco. You hear me? Take your time, Harry. We're not animals. Are we, Ronnie? Cinema 9 Podcast. We are four bozos in a box today as we have a special guest with us. Of course, it's me, Michael Govier, Travis Roy, Eric Branstrom. 
But we have a guest aboard today. His name is Steve Paolo. He's a fan of the show. He loves movies. And he's here to talk with us about film. Welcome in, Steve. Thank you for having me. Those are all true statements. It's a good way to start the show, not lying to people. And we're going to focus. Yeah, that's not a lie. That's right. Right. And we're all true. <laughs> we're going to focus on what movie that you selected for our Does It Hold Up segment? Uh, the 1995 classic Get Shorty. Yes, a movie yeah. I never saw. Uh, I know, what? Travis, oh, yeah. you've seen a it. A shame. Right? Blows my well, mind you've never seen it. <laughs> I know. You know, it was just, like I said last week, it was always around and there were sunglasses and posters everywhere. Like, it just seemed like Get Shorty was everywhere. And I just don't know how I never sat down and watched it. But I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, Travis, you are on different grounds today. You are yeah. not in Hazel Park. You're in a different world. I'm coming to you live from Huntington, West Virginia right now. Hey. And uh, coming to you live where I, as I was telling you guys, and will now tell the audience, I don't have my charger with me. So there's a chance, a, ch a chance. A Chauncey that I could just uh, drop out suddenly and unexpectedly uh, about halfway through here because I might lose power. If that happens, guys, I will I will text one of you the uh, I'll text you guys my choice for next week and 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 bid adieu to you all now just in case that happens. <laughs> and if the movie holds up or not, if we don't get to you. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll have to text that too. Yeah. We got to get you on the record. Uh, that'll be exciting. Good. We, we, <laughs> did, have you turned the brightness down on your monitor? Try to minimize power conservation. I would recommend I, that. I have no idea how to do that, but uh, okay. I'll That's try and like I'll try and key or something. I'll try and learn. Yeah, is there a key that's shaped <laughs> like a the sun? sun. <laughs> here, I'll just I'll just type sun into the search here at the bottom. So funny, you're a funny guy. Yeah. Uh, Eric Branson, uh, how you doing? You okay? You good? I mean, I look it, but I'm horrifically ill. I had to call in sick today, but I'm here to support uh, our guest Steve and you two gentlemen, and to take a yeah, look at this film. Yeah, again, it's just it's just sick hell over here. It's just we're all giving it to each other. Oh. You got you were sick with the flu like a couple weeks ago. Or yeah, and now I've got just like random cold and it's miserable. Okay. Well, I think what's happening is that you are now a father. You have a child in your house, and as I understand these 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 people are you know carriers, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I like suck snot of her nose every night. Maybe that has something to do with it. Oh yeah, that's probably. We're well, not supposed to like play with it or like you you know, use a tool. Oh, use a tool. Okay. The sucker attack. thing is supposed to have a filter on the end, so that no, no filter. Oh, yeah. So a straw, essentially. <laughs> Ew! This is gross. This show used to be cool. Uh, Steve has children, and he's healthy, right? So, Steve, I maybe mean, you could give relatively. Eric a few tips. Yeah, you look reasonably. You sound well. You look well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the the filter is the first step. If you're gonna suck junk out of your kid's nose, make sure it's you know using the proper equipment. That's very important. I'm glad everyone out there has heard that now. Uh, other than that. <laughs> You know, we've just been keeping the kids at home like a lot of people around the world uh, are doing. And, and yeah, I haven't had a cold all year because my kid's not going to school and picking it up from all the other kids. And so, yeah. There's a silver lining. I guess. Well, it, I'm trying. I'm grasping his cross. <laughs> hey, Steve, uh, tell us real quickly, where does it all begin? Your passion for film and movies. Where did it all get oh, started? Man. So I, I, you know, I think like a lot of people, I just started watching movies at a very young age and, and just kind of loved the escapism of it and everything. My dad was always a big kind of gearhead. We had a laser disc player in my house in the dating as far back as like the early eighties. And so, you know, I watched, uh, <laughs> one of the ones I randomly remember watching was like, you know, uh, Woody Allen's what's up tiger Lily on laser disc, which 
<laughs> totally took advantage of the uh, of, of the medium. Um, but uh, yeah, like so I, and then I, I briefly, very briefly uh, spent part of my collegiate career studying film at San Francisco State University uh, mm. that did not go anywhere and did not result in any kind of uh, degree or anything. But um, I have always like thought of myself as like, you know, the next, not next, but like an Alan Ball, this person who's just, you know, got that screenplay in him somewhere. It's going to come out someday when he's teaching high school English or whatever Alan Ball was doing, but I'm, I'm a software engineer instead. So, uh, I just love movies, you know, uh, like the very, very normal layman movie lover. Where are you? Look at out, in, out in California, Northern California, uh, about 25 miles east of San Francisco. So, all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, man. Thank you. That's Awesome. And by the way, Steve is a massive Disney freak, like a That's massive true. Disney freak. Oh, great. So yeah. We like those. We need, we need more of that. We need more of that around here because Mike really brings us down in that department because he's kind of anti-Disney. Yeah, these yeah, all, days, yeah. there's a lot of uh, online backlash against the quote-unquote Disney adult. And uh, I, I, you know, have kids now, but but I can't claim you know that they're the reason i love disney i i yeah. proposed to my wife at epcot center so like <laughs> <I> told you <laughs> I mean, you love disneyland that's your real passion right? that's the real yeah i love the, yeah. the themed yeah. entertainment and, and such you're one of those guys yes <laughs> he did a tournament he did a bracket of the different rides oh, yeah. and or like things you could do at disneyland he's he's into it so and that's a good thing i don't hate disney by the way travis like i'm not <laughs> hating on Disney. i don't hate disney i mean you um, don't really like cartoon movie you know, feature animated feature films that's fair. very much you don't like that's films that deal with family issues very much <laughs> what or i love you family don't. issues what every time yes, there's I a, do. every time there's a family moment in the movie you're fast forwarding through it and complaining about it later what are you talking about well i think children in movies are kind of lame at times but i like family dramas i you know i love I like, uh what's that movie uh the robert redford one about the uh where the parents are getting divorced or the one down, he did. Downhill Ordinary Racer. People. people. Ordinary oh, People is a great movie. I love... No, not Downhill Racers. <laughs> I like Downhill Racers. Completely though. not close. At any rate, Steve, we hope that you brought with you a few choice recommendations because every week we do quarantine viewing picks. That's right. It takes us all the way back to where we first started. Travis Roy, why don't you get us started on what you've been watching this week? I've watched some pretty decent movies this week, I feel like. I had a pretty good time. Um, let's, <laughs> great. Let me, yeah, let me see what, what I watched here. Um... I went to 2016's Hidden Figures, you know, nominated for Best uh, Film, and for good reason. I'm, I'm glad Moonlight won that year, but man, um, like, that's, I mean, that was really, really, really good. And uh, I know it's, like, not a big surprise because it's, like, was pretty well lauded when it came out, but I hadn't, I hadn't caught it. And if you've not caught it either, uh, you should. Well, there was um, some white, uh, real quickly, some no, Pentecost yeah, or white savior stuff that said people said was kind of bogus. Did you find that in that film, or do you think that was legitimate? I mean, the position that the, I mean, it's realistic that the, the NASA was, you know, that department was ran by a white man, and it's a true story. So, like, okay. um, what, and and also like is you know like it, part of the story, you know, is about white people like seeing some errors and like changing. So, like, uh, that's you know, that's that's that belongs in film to a degree i think in these kinds of films you know um i think say no more um i watched knowing from 2009 with uh nick cage <laughs> and like man what a, what a weird fucking movie like you remember that like really what a what a representative like weird movie of the time because like it came from like remember like 2012 and like that move the movie 2012 like there's just like all these movies that were just about like people getting torn up by north natural disasters just like here just yeah. mass destruction it was like a geostorm like a yeah, all that shit. And like this is the this is the rawest of all of them. It's just like here, watch 
scores of people like lit on fire at once. Here's a whole scene of like people perishing in slow motion as they're burning to death. Uh, here's like here, all, you know, it's like you know, every major city blowing up in slow motion. It's just like all that shit, but like really like on a really gruesome scale. I hated it so much. Um, yeah, and I love Nick Cage, but I, I hated Alex that one. Broyes, yeah, great director. What the yeah. fuck happened, to Alex Broyes? Uh, I think that was like the last thing he did too. And it was mm. not great. And speaking of uh, Nick Cage, I finally, for my birthday, I watched <laughs> the wicker man, which I've been saving on my Nick Cage journey. Um, God, you know, I was, my expectations were so high. I thought this was going to be so terrible and it just wasn't, it was not terrible enough. It I liked just, it. It was just bland. It, <laughs> it was, it, I didn't, I didn't like it, but I, I, it wasn't bad enough to be like awesome in a, like a, in like a drive angry kind of way. I just, um, I just want to real quickly, Travis. Uh, so, so, yeah, Nick Cage uh, dressing up in a bear costume and <laughs> punching a woman in the face uh, and then being uh, killed by a basket of bees, which he's allergic to, being put on his head after they've hobbled his feet. That wasn't crazy <laughs> enough for you? That's not on the Travis Nutty scale for, for okay, that? Okay, so or? I don't know what I saw. Did it, did it show, does it show them hobble his feet? Does it show him? No, it's inferred. It's not It's not misery. Okay. They it, infer it. Inferred. Uh, yeah, inferred. Yeah, exactly. It happens off screen and you're like it does, hearing it does, it. Oh, you hear it though i think well here's yeah. the thing though. there are multiple cuts of that movie out that's there. that's kind of what i'm yeah. wondering because i i did not see a scene where um a, a, the, the famous bee mask went on his oh, head I was, oh, I mean, maybe yeah. i would look away at a crucial moment no no but, it's, uh, it's like 35 seconds long you just it wasn't in your cut because that's a long so weird yeah it was really bizarre like I, I was like waiting for that moment and it didn't come but I don't know that that would have saved it for me, mostly because <laughs> mostly because I mean, like, it's hard not to compare it to the original Wicker uh, Man, and the original yeah. Wicker Man, Eric. You know, that's still one of my favorite all-time viewing experiences is watching that Incredible. with you and Ange, um, where you you know you start off a movie and you're thinking this is crap, this mm. is so weird, I should turn this off, and then being like more and more engaged and pulled in, um, which you know. Uh, that was a similar experience I had with 1977's House, a Japanese horror <laughs> film, um, which uh, was was I, I almost turned off and I was glad I didn't. I made a review on uh, on the on the old Instagram about that. Checked out uh, Perks of Being a Wellflower, also ah, fantastic. Yeah, you got, both you guys Pretty had told good. me to. You guys had yeah, you said on the show before I should watch it, so I did, and I was really glad I did. Uh, Mike, a, a movie that you recommended last week that when you did, Eric started cackling to the point he had to mute himself. So I'm a little afraid to bring it up again. Uh, but it's I watched just the title. I watched a walk in the woods. It was awesome. Right. I cannot be again. I struggle to understand what's humorous about that title or like, <laughs> I, I don't understand, but I'm glad you're so entertained. Eric. He's muting himself again. Now he's still laughing. Um, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's good. Just, I'm glad you enjoyed yeah. it completely puzzling that it's funny but yeah no it was it was fantastic man i mean you you got nick nolte you got robert redford just i mean if if, if the if the idea of these two guys like you know moving around a forest does not sound entertaining to you then you're not gonna like this movie but i, yeah. I found it, i found it both entertaining and actually kind of profound like i thought it was i thought it was really really good i read some reviews a lot of people found it middling and i'm like i think a lot of people kind of missed the point i thought it was i thought it had really really big and good things to say um so i would, would definitely also recommend that and last but not least uh i watched this movie from last year called save yourselves um, which ordinarily with an exclamation point, which I'm ordinarily very against movies with exclamation points in the title, save yourselves exclamation point. Like, <laughs> eh. um, but this movie was so good. It's on Hulu right now. It's an alien invasion movie. Um, but you're basically like following this couple that you, it's like, it's almost could be like a, you know, like how a movie should kind of like, if you're going to have a tonal shift, 
where like you know you, you kind of like you're following one story and then like there's like a, a big shift you need that first story to be good like on its own kind of like um i don't know the only example that comes to mind is like Die Hard, but that's not really. You know, but, but most movies, like they, they, when there's like a, you're following one thing, and then all of a sudden, like, okay, we got to deal with this now. And, but you have yeah. to be engaged. You have to be engaged first. Well, this is like this really engaging couple. It's like this really believable, like fun, funny, like lovely couple. You're like watching this couple just like go through their stuff, and it's and like they're kind of like fighting, but also kind of like, but very much in love, and like having like a like kind of like a go through it kind of moment as they kind of like try to like stop. Um, they want to get away from all that technology, so they go like to a cabin and like do away with the Wi-Fi and all that. But unfortunately, that just happens to coincide with an alien invasion, so that they don't know that that's going on like all around them. <laughs> and it's this great example, like this great story about how things could just kind of sneak up on you and like uh, you know not recognizing threats in time and stuff. It was really really funny, and also yeah. just like a really like a nice twist on a really like well tread genre. So save yourselves. I'm going to recommend that one. Exclamation point. Exclamation. Oh. There it is. Eric Brash, what do you got for us this week? Well, you know, the pro wrestling documentaries are finally dying down. I've only got a couple more to watch to expunge this bizarre curiosity <laughs> from my system. I looked at one called The Price of Fame. It centers on uh, legendary superstar Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man. Uh, it's a faith based film. Like, I guess he became like, uh, he got saved, became a Christian. So it's his story of overcoming like, uh, his turbulent past and then coming to terms with, uh, you know, reuniting with his family after a lifetime of infidelity. There's like this 30 minute long uncut scene where his son confronts him and demands an explanation for like his rampant infidelity, like toward their mother back in the day. A little awkward, but still an enjoyable glimpse at the legendary wrestling superstar. Um, so HBO, I've been uh, dipping into that before my uh, trial ends. There's this new show, The Mayor of Easttown. It's really good with Kate Winslet and Guy Pierce. I don't know if anyone's watching. But she's a detective, like in a small Pennsylvanian, like like junkie towns, kind of like uh Winner's Bone type of movie where it's a small demographic of people. And she's trying to solve these murders, and the writing's really good. I'm digging the uh the direction and all that. So I'd recommend the program. Uh I took another look at Empire Falls from 2004, Phil Hoffman, oh! Paul Newman, Ed Harris. Very, very, it. yeah, it's Travis. I think you'd like it because I'm it's sure very saccharine and hokey and cheesy and wholesome, but it's just really enjoyable to watch and kind of like a like watch a movie with like your grandparents' cozy type of way. Would it have a trailer uh, with Salisbury Hill in it? Like <laughs> you know, it would be like uh, some Motown song, like, oh, when it's all right. Oh, big one chill style. Things, yeah, okay. yeah, one of that shit. So yeah, check always, it out. I always forget that that's Hoffman and Newman reuniting. I always, I always forget that, that yeah, Hoffman's in nobody's that. Fool. Yeah, after nobody's but, fool. Let's check that so, out. So I got to tell you, today I'm sick as hell, laying on the couch with with nothing going on. I can't even see straight, and it dawns on me, Christ, when's the last time I saw like a movie starring Jean Claude Van Damme? I haven't even thought of this guy in like 25 years. I have no idea why it's popped in my head. So I took <laughs> a look I've, at. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I've talked, about him, I've talked about him on the show like quite a few times lately. That might have something to do with Is it. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's true. <laughs> I turned on um, Hard Target because this is a movie I used to rent like all the time from Meyer Video Store back in the day. I would always rent it. And uh, I seem to remember it being like a legit like Jean-Claude Van Damme action movie. Got John Woo, Sam Raimi produces. Like, So I took a look at it and it's been so long. It's It sucks. Oh. Have you seen it recently? Mm-mm. It's horrible. We're supposed to I thought believe somebody that... mentioned that on the show months ago. No, 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 no. 
Oh, not, I not somebody mentioned one. Hard Target because we mixed up Hard Target with Hard to Kill, which is a Steven Seagal well, film. That, that's we what happened. Yeah, we were talking about Hard to Kill, and I accidentally called it Hard Target. That's, oh, really that's, the, extent of, that's the extent of that conversation. John Claude Van Damme plays Chance Boudreau. We're supposed to believe he's Cajun. It takes place in New Orleans. It's like <laughs> fucking ridiculous. And it's, it's, I'm sorry, it's not good. Uh, but I, I, the itch was not scratched, so I took a look at uh, Bloodsport. It's been uh, fucking like almost thirty years. Since talking I've seen that, uh, you know what? I, I didn't care for Bloodsport. I like oh. some of the fights at the very end, but like the majority, you got like Ogre from Avenger the Nerds. Like, like, what about the dancing? I, I Is that the one with it. the dancing when he's danced with the two girls in that little so ridiculous. bar in the yeah. jungle? Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. So that ended, and I'm like, oh Christ, those were. Not very good, but I I still want to see some more Jean Claude Van Damme. So I put that's, on Kickboxer from nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, Kickboxer is was fucking awesome. Kickboxer, so I yeah. love Kickboxer. He's going up against legendary Thailand Leviathan Tong Po. Fucking loved it. So I'm good on JCVD for a while, <laughs> and that's it, man. Yeah, hey, you should have thrown Street Fighter on. That would have been great. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'll go through real quickly, and then we'll go to Steve to close out this segment. I watched Breach, a 2007 film with Chris Cooper and Ryan Felipe, which is a true story about Robert Hansen, one of the worst espionage offenders in the history of the United States. I didn't know it was about Bob Hansen. I, uh, that's interesting. It is. Cooper plays Bob Hansen. He kills it. He's great in this. And uh, so, you know, Felipe's... Wow. This seems like a crucial point for him, like because it's like a serious film. Laura Linney, Chris Cooper, some heavy hitter actors... And he does serviceable job. It wasn't like he's bad or anything. I don't know what people think of Felipe. If, like, if he's a legitimate actor, sometimes he's a pretty face. So I can see how he could be seen as somebody who's not taken seriously. But he's good in this movie. He's rock solid. He's good um, in The Lincoln Lawyer. I liked him in that one. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That was 2011. Okay, interesting. But I recommend Breach. It's a good film. Uh, I went. I watched Mary Poppins. Speaking of Disney, I went. I hadn't seen Mary Poppins in decades. Truly decades. And after watching Saving Mr. Banks a couple months ago, I was like, oh, I'll go throw on Poppins. And yeah. I just was fast forwarding like a son of a bitch <laughs> to this film. The family there, part? <laughs> Didn't you fast no. forward through much of Saving Mr. Banks too? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Would you, the flashbacks. The flashbacks, I would. I loved everything in the contemporary time, but I didn't enjoy the flashbacks. Did you Did you fast forward through the part in the beginning where she murders all the other applicants for the name <laughs> job? I did not, actually. I fast forwarded through... The animated scene just goes on way too long. There's two scenes that go on too long. The animated scene when they're going to the park, and then it's a whole, it just goes on for like a half hour. And then the chimney dance, step in time. It goes on forever. I'm just like, good <laughs> Lord. This was, this needed to be trimmed down a little bit. But otherwise, it was all right. It was all right. Julie Andrews, incredible, beautiful voice. Dick Van Dyke, god awful. Just god awful. <laughs> uh, uh, and I watched Montana, that Stanley Tucci movie that we ta yeah. talked about oh. a while ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not bad. I, it was pretty good. It was, it was it, weird. It was different. Very different. Yeah. Uh, I'd recommend it. Yeah, it's quirky. It. Very quirky. Uh, Kira Sedgwick is like a tough, tough son of a bitch in this movie. And it's cool. I liked it. I was like, oh, this is cool. We got like a kick-ass female. Doesn't take no shit from anybody in like a gangster world. So I'd recommend M Montana. I think it's also uh, our, I'm sorry, just to jump in real quick. I think it's also like the first PSH turn at a villain. That's right. Yeah, it has Philip Seymour Hoffman in it, obviously, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, pre-Mission uh, Impossible, whatever it was that he was the yeah. bad guy. Uh, I did watch two movies I'd never seen before, and I knocked them out together. Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. I watched them back to back. What? And You've never seen either one of these movies? 
No, I had not. Amazing. Well, let's hear it. You know, I'm, you know, I'm steeped in, uh, uh, something's got to give. So I'm totally down with Nancy Myers, Nora Ephron type movies. I love when Harry met Sally. So how could you love Nora Ephron movies and not see either one of those? I know I skipped ahead. Okay. I, I, I missed out. I'm, what can I tell you? Sleep in Seattle. It's it's a lovely film. It's a lovely it film. It's you a know, lovely yeah, it's film. It's a lovely film. You've got mail. I thought it was going to be like a follow up. Like, OK, so it. here they are five years later. They're the, no, no. You know, the kids all grown up now. Nope. It was uh, it was weird, man. Steve, especially, you know, Steve, seeing the Internet. <laughs> portrayed in a movie 22 years ago is so bizarre you've got mail dial up it's it's weird it's so weird it seems so ancient <laughs> it's the time capsule it is i i haven't seen that one in, in a while but if i remember correctly there's not a lot of weird internetness it's it's the problem with the movies from the the 90s you got to worry about are the ones like the net right where they actually yes. try to make the internet part of the plot or or a character <laughs> in the film yeah. and they had like they today <laughs> Uh, consult you know, consultants on on film and TV obviously have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to like computers and the internet in 2021 <laughs> in 1995 1996 it was laughable it was they were just making it up as they went there were no consultants you know yeah. so yeah. when they try to like make it a major yeah. part of the movie you have a problem you've got mail it's yeah. like oh they they got the little AOL guy saying the thing oh how that's cute oh, we know that <laughs> you know the whole like dialogue and that's it extremely dated though i mean it's just really well, yeah. like, like it just feels like very much like, this movie took place in 1998 there you go enjoy yeah, it right. and the fact that like in that movie why do they have to why is it a secret that they're always online whenever either one of them is they like wait for their partner to leave they can't be online well, when someone's home cheating. like typing yeah. yeah they're mentally cheating the okay. only thing yeah. the internet was for back then this is obviously not true now but the only thing it was for back then was like porn and cheating on your on your spouse. Definitely <laughs> not the case now. Clearly more not out the there. Case. Way more out there on the internet now. But there's, there's, all, there's all kinds of disinformation to enjoy as well. Yes, <laughs> yes, a ton of it. Uh, You've got mail. Was a. It actually has a great kind of story arc about big, you know, the big bad book company and the small. Now it seems like a joke. Now it seems like all of those. This was twenty yeah, year, plus years Fox ago. Books would be taken out. <laughs> yeah. So we, not only have all the tiny stores been removed, but now Fox Books is gone. Yeah, Borders is gone. Barnes and Noble's <laughs> yeah, no, barely we're, alive. We're so. nostalgic for Blockbuster now. Things have changed. <laughs> yes. It's, oh, it's even more dated than you realize. But right. the story about the big bad wolf, which is basically now just, I guess, Amazon would be the biggest bad wolf around. So that still exists. Uh, I watched Henry Fool. I hadn't watched Henry Fool in a few years. I loved it. I love Henry Fool. I love Hell Hartley. So much. I, but I actually followed it up with Faye Grimm when I hated it when it first came out. I actually enjoyed it this time. Something really? has changed in me because when Faye Grimm came out in 2006, I was so excited. But it was a disappointment at the time. But now with the, I don't know what changed in me, but I actually was like, oh, it's good to see these characters again and hang out with them. I. I guess I got more relaxed in my old age. I don't know, but maybe I, didn't I should hate give it. it. A, maybe I should give it a shot. But to me, it's always I. They take away the ambiguity, ambiguity, ambiguity rather, of the ending of Henry Fool. They take that choice. Yeah, I know away that always bothered you. Yeah. yeah, that still is rel. That still yeah. Change, so, I, so I just I don't know that I could ever. Maybe do you'll it. be all more over it now. Who knows? We'll see. I but. don't think I can. <laughs> well, there's a third one too. There's a, a yeah, uh, Ned that. Rifle. Ned Rifle. Rifle. Or I gotta check that. I couldn't find that one, so it was a hard one to find. Uh, yeah, I watched Superman Returns from 2006, which I loved. I loved Superman Returns. People hated it. A lot of people were pissed about Superman Returns, but I thought it was a real touching tribute to, to the Superman era, like with the title screens being the same and the music, the theme, one of the best score and themes you will ever hear in a film. Forget Star Wars, forget Indiana Jones. This is, to me, John Williams' masterpiece, and 
I liked Superman Returns. I thought that, I know Kevin Spacey's canceled, but he did a good job as Lex Luthor, and Parker Posey was great as his sidekick. Um, I wish this movie had, like, a better, like, lineage. People look back fondly upon it, but I don't you know think what it, You know what it needed? It needed Richard Pryor leaping off, like, skiing off of a skyscraper. <laughs> That's what that movie needed. You're right. You're goddamn and surviving. right. Yeah. I forget without Superman's assistance. I needed to, <laughs> don't, I don't forget. Uh, one movie that's Travis watched this week that he didn't mention to you. Yes, was Superman three. Superman three. <laughs> God awful. Just rubbish. Uh, but I think Superman Returns deserves another look. You guys should go back and look. Brandon Routh was a perfect Superman, yeah, in my opinion. Brandon. I thought it was well done. Maybe people thought it was really dreary, kind of a downer. But I don't know. I kind of like that stuff. So maybe it's built for me uh i watch iq with tim robbins and meg ryan with <laughs> <laughs> walter matthau playing albert einstein somehow i've seen this like five times i don't yeah, know yeah i've never seen it i've never seen it it's a it's, it's a something movie. man I, it's not even it's like a period piece trapped in the I 90s do. it's really weird I, I don't know it's interesting I, i'd say check it out and then uh that's i watched twister oh i watched twister with bill oh. paxton and helen hunt no spoilers yeah it was, <laughs> There's a lot of tornadoes. I will tell you that uh, this movie's terrible. Don't watch that movie. So I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna. It's, I you should. It this, I was gonna watch it this week, and I and I actually didn't. But, watch, you know, I watch it twice a year. PSA. <laughs> <laughs> twice a year. Good God. Uh, and then I close it out with Doubt. Uh, 2008's Doubt. Mm. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Meryl Streep, Amy Adams going head to head. Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman going head to head. This is very very well done film. John Patrick Shanley, of course, and of course, it's great. I just remember I saw this play in community college before it became a movie, and I was really excited for it, and it's still – it held up. It's a – Meryl Streep is – sometimes I kind of rip on her for being over – kind of overhyped and getting too many noms and stuff, but she's really good in that role. It might be one of her best efforts, seriously. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's like ability to share emotion on his face, but also not admitting culpability but feeling guilty, it's really – it's really incredible. I really strongly recommend that. So there you go. That was my uh, recommendations for the week. Steve Paolo. Yes. Now we leave it to you. Last but certainly not least, give us a few movies that uh, if you even haven't watched anything lately, you would love to recommend. So so I was supposed to prepare for this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. No, I did. Uh, so not too long ago, uh, I watched a, a quirky little horror movie. Uh, from 2000, well, 2017 or 2018, depends on how you mark these things. But the movie's called Stephanie, uh, and it is a monster sort of creature flick uh, with a good twist that I wouldn't want to give away. But uh, basically, a little the movie starts off with a little girl uh, sort of stuck in her home. She's clearly has no parents there. She's she's I don't know like nine or ten or something like that. And um, at nighttime, there is clearly a beast that is hunting her. And, and we need, you know, we feel very, very scared for her. Um, mm, lots goes on in the movie. This guy, you know, it's not a perfect film by any measure. It's got holes and flaws like any do, but it's, it's interesting. And the twist really, I didn't know about it going in. It was one of those things I saw on Netflix and just went uh, creature in the house. I love that genre. I'm going to, I'm going to watch. Uh, and it was well worth watching. And I'd recommend at least checking it out if that, especially if that's your style. Is that an F uh, or a PH by the way? Stephanie with a PH, uh, a, a S E P H A N I E. So it was on the uh, festival circuit in 17. So technically had its debut then didn't ever go to the theater, got released on VOD 2018. So I'm not sure if you consider that a, a 17 or an 18 release, but there you go. Okay. Um, 
so my wife and I don't watch a lot of movies. We watch a lot of television. So what we have been doing though, is, uh, despite being huge Disney fans, we have not completely caught up on all of the, uh, Marvel cinematic universe offerings. So we went back, we watched Thor Ragnarok, which, uh, I can't believe we waited so long to watch that one was actually a ton of fun. Uh, and Ant-Man, which is uh, set in our relatively native San Francisco, uh, also a heck of a lot of fun. So obviously can recommend both of those. Um, more on the television tip, uh, if, if you are at all interested in these things, and I don't know why I'm recommending something that's so popular, but if you haven't watched WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you ought to. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier plays like a regular MCU film, just broken up into six-hour-ish long parts. Uh, WandaVision is something else. Uh, <laughs> it <laughs> and, is And, and well, well worth watching, I think, but it is definitely different, so there's that. Um, mostly... Uh, We've noticed, uh, my wife and I and Heather, we, we've noticed uh, in the last, during the pandemic, we've been drawn to documentaries. So we've watched a lot of docuseries and a lot of documentary films. So back when it was a thing and they first came out, I watched both of the Fire Festival documentaries. Uh, yeah. And Heather saw neither of them. So I finally got her to watch Fire, the Netflix version. Uh, you'll know it from the uh, the retelling of, of, I believe his name is Andy's uh, need to go to the... Um, uh, the, the, what do they call it? Customs uh, office yeah, uh, the to, water. To, procure, to procure the water. Uh, yep. It's a great little tale uh, that I won't. Uh, <laughs> it's something. It's something. I, I see, I see Eric's this not sure like what I'm the, talking about. The festival that like they got a shitload of money from people and it never yes. happened or whatever. They pro they yeah. pro bet between their fundraising and their ticket sales, there had to be $40, $50 million just disappeared. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Thing, Billy, so what's his name? Billy McFarland. Billy McFarland, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, well worth watching Fire on Netflix. We also watched WeWork, which is about uh, sort of hits close to home. It's a documentary about a company uh, startup that at one point was valued at $47 billion. And then over the course of, that took 10 years to get to that valuation. And over the course of literally five or six weeks, <laughs> almost nothing. It's amazing. Um, they when they realized SoFi, what was the bank involved? SoftBank? Uh, uh, no, it was an investor, SoftBank from Japan. Yeah. Uh, and they they had 500 million invested at a yeah $40 billion valuation or some crazy crap oh. like that. I can't remember exactly. It was nuts. And uh, That's yeah, that on Amazon, when, by the way. That one, yes, that one's on Amazon Prime. Uh, oh, and then the it. last one is a Hulu one. And it's a series, but it's short. It's only three episodes, but Sasquatch. Yes. Uh, super awesome. Uh, I am way more into pot than I am cryptozoology. So that was sort of the angle <laughs> I took at it. But. <laughs> They're both they're both interesting topics, and and growing up in Northern California in the '90s, uh, we all uh, around here knew very well what happened up in the Emerald Triangle, and uh, knew not to just go wandering through the woods of Mendocino and Humboldt counties. So, uh, very cool, very the, the cast of characters that occupy these tiny little podunk towns in NorCal, um, incredibly not surprising if, if you're from the area and i think probably every backwoods in every state around the country is relatively similar in this in this way but these are a bunch of uh wacky ass meth heads uh who think that sasquatch <laughs> killed a bunch of guys up in a pot farm but they didn't or he didn't uh whatever uh i don't think it's giving anything <laughs> away to say that no sasquatch did not do the murders I, th I think the plural for sasquatch is sasquatch right uh it might be sasquatch but i'll have to find <laughs> out later i'll talk to my dude <laughs> all right yeah. yeah so yeah that pretty much wraps it up a couple of documentaries i recommend cool great uh i got is the falcon winter soldier still putting out new episodes or is the whole thing out now no six six episodes is the whole Whole okay. Magilla. And I, so it's 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 a little it's about a five and a half hour commitment. Yeah. Like well, that'll be uh my next watch then. Great. All right. Great. Thanks, Steve. Willie, really well done. Nice effort there. They even threw some horror in for Travis and Eric. That was 
That was sweet. That's very sweet of you. All right, let's cut the shit. Let's get right down to it. It's the Cinema 9 Podcast. It's time for our main event. Every week we do a movie. We've done 56 of these. This will be the 57th of Does It Hold Up or Not? Where's Chili Palmer? Where's Leo DeVoe? Where's my fucking money? Ray, look at me. What? Look at me, Ray. Did you just say look at you? <laughs> look at me, Ray. I tell you what, Harry. Why don't you take a fucking look at this? And have a peek at this. You know, Harry, this is the exact fucking thing I needed. A little fucking exercise after that long fucking plane ride. You got a big problem, Harry. Harry. Well, come on, Harry, don't pass out on me. Look at me, Harry. Where's my money? Where's my money? Harry, I'm gonna ask you one more time, then I gotta shoot you. You don't tell me what I wanna know. Where's my money? Your money? Who the fuck are you? I'm Ray Barboni from Miami. Well, like that's supposed to mean something to me? The man you're standing on there happens to belong to me and my partner, bro. Well, this piece of shit owes me money. Hey, get in line. Yeah, but I don't like waiting in lines. Tough shit, bro. This ain't Miami. You want something? You gotta talk to me. No, 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 no. Fuck you, fuckball. I mean, L.A. is an open city, and I don't think I have to get permission from nobody for nothing. Oh, really? Well, uh, I just closed it. Well, you must be what they call, uh... One of those quick draw artists, you know, because of the way you got your gun stuck way down in your belt like that. Well, what do you, what do you got there, huh? WAP 9? <laughs> Fucking fiat of guns, always jamming on you at the wrong time? Don't you puke on my shoes, Harry. Steve Paolo is here, and he has chosen 1995's Get Shorty, directed by the, uh, not legendary, but the rock-solid Barry Sonnenfeld. I mean, a... Uh, I mean, influential. Good, I mean, certainly definitely had, influential. Yeah, definitely he, had, influential. He, had a, he had a good run there. He did have a good run. Uh, Steve, we will open it up to you first and foremost. When was the first time you saw this movie? Do you remember? T go back to your first viewing. Take us back in time. So I don't remember exactly when, but I definitely didn't see it in the theaters. I was about 15 when it came out and, and being rated R. It's not one I would have seen in the theaters. My family was pretty, my parents were pretty hardcore about that. So I was, Eric, probably, maybe like a, <laughs> <laughs> I was probably a senior in high school, something in the 97 to 98 territories, probably when I finally got around to seeing it would have been, you know, on VHS at a friend's house. Um, given that the, the, the rated R-ness is, is more of a mild violence and terrible language kind of category. It, it's not one that would have, you know, been too bad of, uh, of a problem for, for me uh, on the home front. So, um, yeah, it's one of those movies. It's a movie about movies and, and in a sense, and it's, that's always been sort of a genre that I've loved. Like I said, I spent a brief period of time studying film in college and, uh, have, you know, fancied myself at different points in my life as a future screenwriter, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, so movies about making movies, um, you know, have always been something that intrigued me. So uh, even more so than the fact that it's a movie about gangsters, that that part is always kind of secondary to me, but I'm sure for many people get shorty is a gangster movie. Um, but, yeah. So interesting. Okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Travis Roy. What about you? Did you see this one in the theater? I did. Um, this is one I, uh, that my mom took me to and uh, um, you know, we, we had a copy of it. Um, bought a copy of it on vhs when it came out and it was just like a family movie that we all watched the fuck out of you know i had the poster like it was i mean 
there's been some movies that we've watched. Uh, that, there's been some movies we've done on this show that I've watched a lot, like particularly Sneakers and Scrooged. Um, this one's just about up there in that territory with me. Not not quite as many times as those two movies, but out of everything that we've done on the show, I've watched this movie many, 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 many times. Oh, okay. It, it's been a while. Yeah. It, it had good. been a while in the Nickelback, Nickelback voice, but it had been a while. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, that, you know, by the way, so I, <laughs> whiskey laugh coming in. I, I wanted. <laughs> I thought it was. I started laughing because it's pointless to. You said Nickelback voice, but technically it's stained. But why correct somebody <laughs> between stained and Nickelback? Dude, it's so Mike, you'll notice twenty I, years. Twenty I years. Stayed, I thought I was Nickelback. I stayed <laughs> muted because I had the exact same thought. Oh no, he's not Nickelback. It's stained. He got it wrong. But I stayed muted because why? Why would yeah. why? Honestly, I was happier. I was happier being wrong. I didn't want to. I don't want to be corrected on that. The whole I time, though. To... My whole life, I thought it was forever long. I've always thought it was. But who fucking cares? Really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, they might as well be the same. Uh, that made me laugh. Thank you. Thank you for that. And by the way, so yes, Eric, uh, as you go back to your first viewing of this film, looks like you know Steve grew up like we're all the same age here. It looks like we graduated the same year of high school and stuff. So we're all part of the same growth pattern through generational content in absorbing culture. But Eric, in 95, did you see it live or did you have to wait? I waited for home video. And I remember like the marketing push on this was like, it was insane. You couldn't go anywhere without seeing this box copy of Get Shorty on VHS. I missed it in theaters, but I didn't anticipate it. Like I, I was obsessed with Pulp Fiction. There's a lot of like bur burgeoning young like writers and filmmakers were. Uh, so I was kind of expecting Pulp Fiction too because of my naivety and John Travolta and gangsters. So when I rented this the first time I saw it, and you can probably, if you look really closely or listen to the timbre of my voice, you can hear my anxiety level shooting through the roof i didn't like it at all when i saw it that one time back in 1995. wow okay well i appreciate your honesty i didn't even see the movie so i guess it's better to at least seen it and not appreciated it i feel like uh I feel like i missed out i should have been there but i wasn't so i cannot go back in time and regale anybody since this was my first viewing of get shorty uh turn back time <laughs> Oh, Cher. I would watch yes. Get Shorty. Yeah, yes, Cher in that video. Very uh, sparsely dressed. Very strange. Mm, it's uh, true. I don't know what it has to do with turning back time. You could have worn anything, and turning back time would have been the true. focus. But at any rate, I don't care. I don't care about that. Did anybody uh, quickly, though? Has anyone seen this TV version that came out in 2017? Anybody? No. Oh, I don't Why? Think so. Why? Why is this thing there? Why is it? Why is it here? Why do we have to? Oh wait, there's a TV series. I thought you meant like an yeah, edit. yeah. There's no, like no, a TV no. show, right? Yeah, yeah like yeah, why? Yeah. There's a TV it's, show. Now it's it the could guy be great. Bridesmaids. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. I, I just kept getting Chris, I remember his name, Chris something. Hits. Yeah. 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 I mean, like it could, maybe it's good. Maybe it's good, but it just seems like why? You know, why? I, is this, I, I got, why is I got an idea, but I'd probably save it for a little later. Save it for later. Uh, Chris O'Dowd is his name. That's, yeah, yeah, I, I like and, him. Yeah. And Ray I, I, Romano? And Ray yeah. Romano? Oh, wow. Shoot. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So yeah. I hate the existence of that show for one reason only. That's when you go on Twitter's GIF search and you search for Get Shorty animated GIFs. <laughs> Nothing comes up from this film. Everything oh. is from that stinking series. And so I had yeah. a real hard time expressing myself in the world's highest functioning <laughs> form of communication, which is the animated reaction gif. Uh, and 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 doing so for Get Shorty, it was a big, big problem for me. 
I'm with you. We all lost something. That is awful. <laughs> I'm really sorry for you, Steve. I feel for you. Uh, of course, we always go on the IMDb rating. Did everyone look it up or did nobody look it up? Who wants to take a guess? Steve, did you look it up? I did not. I avoided it specifically because right. I knew you asked. There's a guy uh, who knows the show, Travis. That's be <laughs> I know. Good. I'm impressed. Yeah, no, no. I, I was like, don't look at it. Don't look at the IMDb. Everything I did when I was looking at research was on Wikipedia. So, uh, nice. I'm going to guess like what I want it to be is like 6.9, but I'm going to say like 6.4. I think this was like a little lower but i want it to be six nine so okay anybody else i'm gonna guess higher yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna guess higher i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna guess pretty high i'm gonna say i'm gonna say six nine i'll say six, <laughs> six nine for you eric yeah i looked i'd say <laughs> oh you look yes gentlemen <laughs> i haven't looked i haven't looked so i'll guess you could tell us uh, i'll say that get shorty is it seems like people like this movie it's well liked i don't know if it's legendary though but uh a seven one six point nine Hey! Oh, really? Wow. Nice. Wow. All right. Wink, wink. Nice. <laughs> I, thought, I thought maybe it would crack the sevens. I'm surprised, actually. So, but hey. What do I know? Uh, we always go to Rotten Tomatoes. We give you 88% from the critics. Very highly rated by the critics. That is an excellent score. And then the audience gave it a 70%. So, you know, slight gap, but that's still a solid tub of delicious buttery popcorn. Mm. Critics-wise, mm, yes, you can. Uh, did anyone... Does anyone ever make popcorn when they watch these movies? Does anyone ever do that at home? No, not once. I never do no. that either, yeah. No. I watch too many movies to make like popcorn and make it a big deal, I guess. So I had a notebook and a pen. Like, how am I supposed to, with popcorn, and making notes? <laughs> right. Like, it's not, you know. Yeah. Greasy pages. Yeah, Greasy be pen. The best way to watch uh, a comedy is like poise with a pen over, like, over paper. <laughs> oh, this is this is odd to me. I find this odd. This is a very well known. Well, at least it was a well known movie back in the day. But there's only three pages of critic reviews when we've had the other movies with twelve pages, eleven pages, ten pages. That's well, I I'm think surprised. this was a good. I think this was a good choice, Steve, for a, a lot of reasons. Um, but mostly because of basically what you're getting at right there, Mike. I mean, like this was a movie that when it came out, like everyone knew and loved this movie or at least liked for the most part um it was it was a hugely popular movie but like just i mean other than that tv show like i've heard very little about it in the past 10 15 years like it just doesn't come up in conversation and stuff like it's kind of it's kind of you know slipping away a little bit so i think it was a good one and i and i hadn't thought of it in a while necessarily so i think it's a good one to bring back look at again that's a good point. Uh, Peter Travers says the result is one of the best movies of the year and by far the most entertaining of the year. How about that? That's impressive. Uh, top critic at the New York Times, Janet Maslin, said it's part of the joke here that Chili is a diehard. Oh, God. Come on. Really? Cineast? S-C-I-N-E-A-S-T-E. Mm, sounds made Cine up. Cineast? Cineast. Cineast? I mean, why don't they just say cinephile? I don't know. Uh, is a diehard cineast and loves reminiscing about smart, stylish, tough guy films he has enjoyed. Get Shorty belongs on that list. So that's positive. As far as a negative review, how about Steve Null from FilmCritic.com? He says, way too much to absorb in two hours, and it results in a talky, sanitized, often boring, tragic comedy that begins to fade from memory as soon as you leave the theater. Oh, and Rod, we'll do Roger Ebert real quick. One more. Yeah, I'm sorry, Steve. <laughs> Roger terrible. Ebert says, one of the pleasures of Get Shorty is watching the way the plot moves effortlessly from crime to the movies. Not a long distance, since both industries are based on fear, greed, creativity, and intimidation. I know Roger was just dying to get that one out. 
So there See, that, you go. That gets it why the critics loved it. Because like the critics are like, you know, they're all part of that industry and and, and but like even if they're kind of on the outside of it, they're still they're still part of it, and, and maybe even more likely to hate it. So they're you know to, to see it depicted as like this brutalistic kind of cutthroat thing where it's all it's like everyone's you know equivalent of a crook. I'm sure they yeah. ate it up with a spoon. Well, if Roger Ebert found himself in any of the characters in this film, it's clearly <laughs> Leo DeVoe, right? I mean, the, it, 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 he's he's tertiary, you know, to actual action, but he's important to the plot. Like he's in there, but like we don't actually care about him. He's not who we're there to see, et cetera, et cetera. So the walking MacGuffin, Leo, right? Yeah, exactly. David Pamer. <laughs> who doesn't love a good David Pamer right. showing? I know we all do. I have, I have a problem with David Pamer in this movie, but it's not Pamer's fault because Pamer like walked into this movie and, and as he came in with this stupid little hat, like he does, you know, I'm watching the movie and, and I'm thinking to myself, Pamer's always been ancient. This man has always been so old. <laughs> How old was he when he made this movie? So I got on IMDb and I looked. How old was this motherfucker? Well, he was my age, exactly. He was 41 years old, as was Travolta, as was wow. uh, Dalroy Lindo, what? as oh, was gosh. Rene Russo was real close. Like Almost the whole cast was like 40, 41 years old, except for Ackman, DeVito, and that's it. Like almost everybody else was like Maybe. 40. Oh, and uh, Gandalf Midler like 30, must have been 37. Oh, Midler yeah, must Midler. have been a little older at that point. Yeah. Midler was in her 50s, yeah. It's so um, weird how they yeah, seem the so much older than us like right now while we watch right? <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. That makes so much sense why David Pamer fits so well in Quiz Show. Like, oh, he he's old. He's always been old. He just belongs in that old oh, school man. realm. But well, how, bald, by the way, probably. so how tall is Delroy Lindo? Because when oh. he... When there's a scene with him and Yaya, Yo-Yo. Uh, oh, yeah. Yo-Yo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm taking like, you out, Yahoo. <laughs> they're standing next to each When he's bitching about not wanting to go to that locker and they're side by side. I mean, he looks, I don't know if they made the camera look that way, but I'm like, boy, Delroy I think looks the act, very the tall. Actor, I think the actor that played Yayo is, is particularly short, but if, if Delroy Lindo is under 6'3", I'll eat my hat. Like, a, I, yeah, I he's, he's a, a tall boy. guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Jacob Vargas plays Yayo. That's right. So, and Bette Miller, you said Bette Miller, by the way. I was shocked when Bette Miller showed up. I love, in this movie. I love her, never... her, her like appearance in the film is is one of the best moments, like one Dude, of the best scenes in the movie. Really? Was so good. So She's, good. I love that. so <laughs> natural and like believable. Like when, when they, when she, when she goes to, when, when they're in the hospital and like she's like walking through the hospital, like walking them back to Harry, where <laughs> Harry's at, they walk by those two MDs or you know, those two EMTs. Hi, she's like, <laughs> have a good night, Lewis. <laughs> So funny. Like, so here's the Midler is so good in this that I had yeah. to write. I was writing down who, 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 like every time I see a cameo, like oh this, you know, oh here's Bobby Slayton, you know, here's Harvey Keitel, like whatever. And and when Bette Midler comes on, I wrote her in the cameos section, and then I thought, well, she's not really a cameo. Like this is a fairly important she's part, but she's almost. But I'm like, no, that just is Bette Midler. I don't know who Doris Saffron is. This is Bette Midler, like <laughs> she's, you know, which I think is a good thing. Like it, I, I just, yeah, I love her in this. Wow. I was surprised to see her show up. Uh, it was weird to me for some reason, but I got over it. But I was like, "What is?" I just started obsessing about the fact, like, who is Bette Midler? What is this Bette Midler thing? Where did she come from? I couldn't get past it for a while. It was kind of weird. It kind of, like, delayed me. I almost had to pause the movie. Bette oh, Midler's when a man always... and woman love each other very much. Right. And, uh, yeah. this is where I'm, I'm letting you know where she came from. What do you mean? Like, I don't understand the question. I don't even know. I don't even know. It's just she's a she's a weird She's a unique person in this world. I will give her full oh, credit yeah. for full marks for being a fascinating human being. I will give her that. But that's uh, why she can just show up and play herself over and over again because it's just like that's fine. We love you. Don't right. we don't want too much of you. Don't do more than like one movie every five or ten years. Yeah, this is like old. the exact same time she was on the Seinfeld. The uh, 
two-parter where she, a softball incident happens. So this is that same time of frame, which is interesting. But let's so Steve, Steve, you chose this movie. So why don't you give us uh, some direction here? Like why you kind of alluded to some of it, but what is it about this film that it makes it interesting, shitty, yeah. really well done? Uh, take us in any direction here, really. Yeah, so I, I the reason I wanted to do this, so I thought of of, of a few different movies. And I don't, I'll say them, but I, I, unless you don't want me to, the other oh, movie I was thinking of, but like, like I was considering yeah. Tombstone, and I was considering The Rock, and I was considering a handful of other movies, all for different reasons. I like them all. I stuck with this one because it hadn't been too long since I seen it. I saw it about a year ago, so it wasn't that long. It was fairly still in my mind, but I wanted to see it. I'd never sat down literally, and I did with a pen and a notebook, and like sat down and really kind of examine it, you know, not just sit and enjoy it. And like I kind of thought would happen, there are parts, there are pieces to this movie that really upset me in, in sort of a looking back on it way. Um, and, and I definitely wanted, this is the kind of thing I wanted to like broach as a subject. Like there are slurs used in this movie that I didn't notice in the nineties or even in more recent uh, uh, viewings because some of them are one-off and the main one is kind of bandied about so often that you forget it's a slur they yes. could have spent the entire movie calling chili palmer a lone shark and they yes. chose not to and they chose to use an anti-semitic slur uh shylock the, the name of the merchant of venice uh, money lender uh right from shakespeare which is it's pretty well accepted to be a, a jewish slur now palmer's character clearly also not we can we know or is not jewish uh the coat that he loses at the beginning where we later find out was a christmas present from his ex-wife so okay he's, he celebrates christmas probably not jewish himself but why did they choose to call him a Shylock through this entire thing? It's, it's kind of shocked me. Well, they use really archaic, like like uh, 1930s almost language. Like I know I never met a Fink. I hope to God I never meet. I hope I never do meet a Fink. <laughs> but if I do meet a Fink, like I'm like googling Fink. I'm like, yeah, it means, <laughs> it means what I thought. But like, who uses this word? That's a good um, point. There's there's some there's some old timey like gangster language going on in this movie. You think it was about being really true to the original, you know, Elmore Leonard book. Do you think that was part of it? Like I never well, he, read the, so I Leonard was involved in the screenplay. So I, he's and not, he said he you, loved it. He said it was one of right. the best representations so, of any of his books. Entirely possible. I've never read the novel, so I don't know when it's set. I don't know if it's yeah. like, like a present day setting or if it's set previously or anything like that, that could have something to do with it. The problem is, is that sometimes they refer to Chile as a lone shark and what he does as lone sharking. And, and most of the time they don't. So it's like, it's almost like they knew that there's another word they they should have been using or could have used and chose not to. Um, you know, we also the 90s, they didn't care. Well, but that's and that's the thing. And that's what I think I wanted to do is look back at this, like with a little bit more of a critical eye of being like, I think of the 90s as I now understand why baby boomers love the 50s and 60s so much. Like I I now look back at the 90s the way that like, you know, I think people of my parents' generation look back at the 60s and how awesome it was. Well, I think the 90s were great but I'm also a white dude who grew up in suburbia. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, the 90s were pretty awesome. Not necessarily true for everybody. And uh, and so I kind of wanted to take a look at this movie with a little more of a modern critical eye. Um, didn't love the, uh, the the F slur and R slur that we get dropped at different points. And uh, whenever you guys want to talk about uh, uh, Chili referring to Morgan Freeman as the colored guy and Delroy Lindo not batting an eyelash, I'm here for it. Whenever you want to get into that. Yeah, that was, that <laughs> was, was bizarre. Odd, right? 
the one he didn't thing even I, react to it. Like, well, he he did react to it in a, in a in like for one like there's because I mean I've not read the book, but I know that the the role that Delroy Lindo was playing was a was a white guy in the book, sure and enough. so there's like this meta joke that he's making there, like maybe the role needs a little color, uh, and okay. and so like I think so like I think that like. <laughs> yes i agree like that's a really even for 95 like why is this word being used yeah but, that was uh, more shocking yeah <laughs> right but delroy's um i mean f- for me this is the movie that introduced me to delroy lindo i'd never seen him and i don't think anything before that and i never forgot him since i mean like i've enjoyed every role i've seen him in because the man has so much panache i feel like he probably dressed himself in this movie like he's just <laughs> he just has a ton of style and he just i mean like he's he's in this there's some big heavy hitters in this movie some big big stars and people who will become big big stars like gandolfini and he still eats up every scene that he's in lindo does i mean he just eats up every scene just owns it there's no i'm not watching anybody else every scene that he's in yeah i agree his clothes were there is the most amazing costume the pretty, the pretty little outfit <laughs> oh my god no but i like i like the, the the silk pajamas he wears when he shoots yayo i'm like i need that is clearly my my drug mule killing outfit that i need i need that for when i kill the drug mules <laughs> that come to my house clearly this is the only thing to wear while doing that uh no all of his clothes were amazing um yeah that's the serious stuff i wanted to you know at least uh, address i don't know if anybody has any comments kind of on that topic but i just thought how weird it was that that especially the the, the whole shylock thing this was over and over again um and you know, thinking that nine, thinking that the nineties were kind of not that long ago, but then going, Oh no, we had a very different view uh, of some of these words and, and and how they fit into the lexicon. So. Yeah. I, what if that goes to Eric's point about, because this is right after Pulp Fiction and there is a heavy, heavy <laughs> amount of racist, I mean, slurs in that movie. And I wonder if they were trying to like, I wonder if that had anything to do with it. I really, I wouldn't put it past these people. I wouldn't. It's the whole argument about that Tarantino makes about, you know, this is actually how people talk. I'm sorry it's not sanitized for cinema, but you run into uh, a criminal or a gangster. This is the way people talk. So I'm going to write it this way. Whether or not Elmore Leonard agrees with that uh, is is another story. But, you know, talking about Delroy Lindo, like for me, I mean, I got to be honest with you guys. I saw just a hint, the slightest little beat and twinkle in his eye when he made that that uh, comment about uh, Morgan Freeman and that's why I like Delroy Lindo so much, especially in this, uh, the subtlety, that quiet menace. One of my biggest problems with this movie is it never really seems like, at least to me, in my opinion, that anyone is ever in any real danger. There's comedic moments where people are getting blown away, but there's no like tension in terms of people being in threat of being killed, in my opinion. But Delroy Lindo walks around and he's just got quiet menace throughout the entire movie. And I'm legitimately scared of him. He's like an older Don Cheadle, a more like mature and reserved Don Cheadle. But I, I mean, yeah, I love the character. The great John Grease, you know, who, who we all love from Fright Night 2 oh, and, and, and who played Wolfman. No, I will not get oh. that movie. Wolfman. Oh. Wolfman from, from, from Monster Squad. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Anyways, he gets blown away by 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 Ray Barboni in this movie, right? And like yeah. there's mm-hmm. it's it's a brutal but it's it's a funny scene, but it's a brutal scene. Like and like when yeah. um I mean there's and like when he killed when um when Bo kills um Yayo uh or Yahoo or whatever his name is. Um, yeah, like that's a pretty brutal, like you just cold blank murder. Like, or, you know, I mean, it's, there's, I think that there's, I think that there's stakes here, but there's also like, it's a, it's a comedy. It's a fun right. movie. So like, like it's a, there's a balance that has to be struck between like, Hey, there are real straight strike, uh, real stakes here. Like when, 
like Bo almost kills Chili in um in Karen's house, but Karen screams and then he decides to kidnap her instead. Been a very spur of the moment move. Um, but I don't know where I was going with that. Well, that's <laughs> one of my favorite scenes. I mean, just real quick to stick with this, like I have some issues with the Chili Palmer character, mostly because in that first scene till the very end of the movie, he's the same person. He never really changes. He's just okay. If you don't like this guy, you Eric, might Eric, Eric, look at me. Look, look at me. Gotcha, gotcha. He's Teflon, man. He's Teflon Don. That's what he is. Nothing can hurt that guy. But that one scene when they do come and kidnap Karen, that's where I'm literally sitting up in my scene, being like, oh, there's some stakes here. Like he's affected by this. The character is changing a little bit. Immediately, he just like dresses back up, slicks his hair back, and is the old chili palmer. I needed a little bit more of that heightened tension, in my opinion, there. But well, I think I think there's an interesting question I have about. <clears throat> that last scene, maybe you guys have an opinion, but did Chili, when Chili went to Bo's house to, to bring the money and to get Karen, did he know what Bear had done to the railing? No. Because, I see, so. I, I don't think so either, but there also seems to, there is this moment when 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 Bear is punching Chili and they're backing Bo up against the railing, whatever, that it really feels like Bear and Chili have talked about this or they're working yes! together, which is why yeah. when Karen goes and shoots that Chili's the one that goes, what are you doing? Like, stop. Well, like, you know, yeah. but I, mean, I, I agree. Completely. Completely. I felt like there was a little ambiguous. I, I didn't get a real clear feel on that. I mean, I, I, I get, I get that. I understand, but I've, I've always felt like it's bear's plan. Like this is, this is bear's plan. Right. What, what, what's happening here. Like Bo gives bear the idea, right. To, 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 to take the screws out right. um, in the first yep. place. And then, um, you know, and then Bo, and, I'm sorry, then bear and, um, and Chili have their interaction where Chili beats him up for the second time. The first time he throws him by the balls, which is pretty bad. Um, Somebody pulled his quadriceps from that, by the way. How do you pull right, a quad yes. from being ah. grabbed in the nuts? I don't know how that happens. Being so. thrown by the nuts. But um, yeah. but the second time he beats him up, they they become friends because he respects him. It, it, right. it, he totally respects Barry. And th this is the one thing I really like about Chili Palmer is Chili genuinely loves film like when he watches um uh real problem yeah, no or, uh, um, touch of evil the touch orson wells yeah. movie yeah the yeah theme. touch yeah. of evil he's like you know trying to get attention from everybody around like hey i love movies you love movies like he, he just really loves movies and that's why he yeah, respects bear right <laughs> so he, that's why he sits down and has a conversation with bear and like you know like and it's like i'm impressed by you i think you're great right. like you're a movie star in a way and and so like immediately bear is like wow this guy's actually pretty cool and then like right after that Bo does this thing where he's like holding Farah, you know, uh, Bear's daughter, right. and he's like holding Farah while threatening Bo. Not exactly threatening Farah, not exactly threatening like Bo's life. He's threatening Bo with prison, but still, like, clearly, uh, Bear like looks like it's you get the feeling the Bear's like, You're threatening my daughter right now. And, and I don't even think Bo really is, to be honest, but like, uh, but uh, at any rate, between those two things, Bear is like, All right, I'm getting out of this, I'm done. And I'm, I'm so he's like, he, I think he sets it up, you know, to. To do to do that, and then because he tried to do it honorably first, he tried to do it face to face with him by saying "I'm out," and he wouldn't let him right. out. So now he right. realizes, all right, I got to scam this guy to get out. Exactly, of exactly. So, 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 and so he was going to just go with whatever, and then, and then Chili, you know, shows up, and and then you know, Bo makes Chili stay. So, I mean, I think Chili kind of gets yeah. dragged into it. It's just it's interesting that thinking that just because Bear uh, would basically have to assume right that Bo is going to try to kill Chili in the apartment and not let him go, and maybe that's. Uneasy if you if you know Bo, maybe that's we know easy. Bo the carpet, right? 
we get it over and over throughout the movie. <laughs> well, that's that, that's why he broken. would drag him out to the pound. But the fact that he wouldn't let him go at all, right? Like he got his oh. money. He could have said, "No, no, you just just go." That's true. Right? Yeah. But but I guess if we know Bo. It's like he wants to like, tie uh, tie loose ends. Oh, okay, I guess. Maybe, even you know. even still, like even if it has nothing to do with Chili, like Bear would know that they're going to end up on the patio at that's some true. point, probably because they just end up there a lot because they like because they stay off the fur- the carpet. Okay, point. so when the shots are fired on the balcony, there. It, <laughs> did, did, am I? Did I not see this right? Is there not going to be an investigation that shows that like a gun was involved here, and that their little plan with the screws isn't going to work? After yeah, all? my favorite um, part is taking the evidence and throwing it after Bo. Like, there's no <laughs> cops that exist in this world. <laughs> it's Los Angeles in the mid '90s, guys. Uh, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. the Hollywood uh, Hills, and everything's obscure. And he was by a black swan, guy. So. I hate to say it. Yeah. LAPD, that's, that's not the true. most like. Uh, Pretty yeah. racist organization, I'll say. But so. no, I, th- I thought of that too, Eric. I'm like, you just gonna throw the evidence yeah. after him. Like, that's pretty suspect, but okay. Well, unless the idea is that if the railing just broke, but that's the bolt- and stuff would have. But the bullet hole, right? yeah. But the bullet hole in the railing would. Yeah, you're right. That's true. That's, that's not. That's a good but Bear wasn't planning for that. Bear no, wasn't, that's true. You know, Karen, Karen was not. Up. Karen screwed that up. She <laughs> thought she was helping with. Which again, that's like one of the things I like about this movie. Like, there's mistakes are made. Like little things like this. That like these like yeah. realistic. I mean, it's a, it's a very unrealistic movie. But at the same time, there's like these endearing character things that they do. Where like 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 Harry dropping the keys in the in the champagne. Like, <laughs> you know, just like little things that they do that just are you know make them like spiteful or like silly or just somehow realistic. So well, okay, I want to talk. Yeah, go ahead. Go no, ahead. Go ahead, please, Mike. I, I want to talk about that locker incident when Chili does it the first time. Um, but I want to give Chili full credit for being a consistent character. He is a lover of film, and that never wavers. Like there isn't like inconsistency with the characters. Oh, suddenly he's a little more gangsterish than a movie right. lover. He's always a cinephile to the very from the start. From the yeah. very start of it, yeah. They're talking yeah. movies uh, from a very early part of this film, but when he's in Miami still and stuff, there's references. Point and. I will say this. There's a lot of anger. And you were talking about the violence. Like, there should be some more gangster stakes, more intensity raised, Eric. Dennis Farina should have wanted to kill Chili quite badly after he punched him in the nose and then shot him in the forehead a bit. I mean, he should have wanted to kill this dude. That I know Travis said it's a comedy, so it's going to be funny. But No, no, but he right. can't. He can't because he's made. Yeah. He's still, uh, a, he's still a made guy. He's a made guy, yeah. yeah uh, the, the, okay. the, that's I do that's find it interesting that the Chili was so sure about where Ray's head would be when he opened the door that he, I mean, cause yeah. there's not, there is not a delay, right? Mm-hmm. Ray, open, oh, when Ray Bones when opens the, the door. What, no, no, no. Oh no, that's fine. The, the punch. I'm talking about the, the gunshot when, when oh, Ray Bones comes oh. to the barbershop and uh, Chili's back there with his uh, thin man poster on his office wall. And, and he, you know, goes <laughs> and plugs him and it just, I mean, it really, you know, skins is like that's tough to do. That's like a, a very million to do. one we'll shot. If you can it is aim, a million. Right? Yes. Look, <laughs> he may not have been trying to do that. He may have been uh, trying to shoot him in the but, head. But, then, right? but again, do we really but believe Chili made. was trying to kill Ray Bones? God, not really, because because no. Ray's made too. Yeah. And, and Chili's not nearly as dumb as, as Ray. And, so, and like, Momo was and, still alive at that point. So then Momo and Jimmy Cabra right. had to go to war. That's, it that's been a, a whole good thing. point. That's a good yeah. point. It's a pretty yeah. it's a pretty risky move to try and shave exactly. someone's head with a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the locker thing, it's set up so well. And I will give the movie credit for setting this up. And it doesn't become like a running joke that I lose interest in. It actually keeps my interest. But when Chili goes there the first time, pays the guy 10 bucks mm-hmm. to go get the other key right next to it. And then he goes, he he goes to that locker. He gets the stuff out of the secondary locker, but they, so do they just basically mistaken that he was at 18, not the, 17? Is so the idea, yes. Like? The idea is that there is like a tour group. It looks like a Japanese tour group coming by walking yeah. past the locker. So he walks up to 18, which is the drug locker. Mm-hmm. And 
waits for that crowd to come behind him. Right. So now the crowd of people ah, standing between him and the DEA agents, the and he does a real quick smooth over to C-17. Right. And then when the crowd passes, he goes ahead and opens up. So it's as if he was still standing. And and I'm sure if the DEA guys were able to like really look closely, they'd see he moved. But are you really going to take the chance? It looks like the man walked up to your locker, put in a key and, and moments later is opening it and taking something out. So but why do that, too, though? Doesn't he already know it's set up by the DEA? He's, I think it's 99 percent sure. sure before 100 yeah. percent sure. He yeah. wants yeah. to make sure. Oh, OK, yeah. I guess. And, and he protects himself pretty well with the whole situation. Um, and it's funny because like I, I like that little scene with the cops too because like he he has like a perfect lie ready and like it, they're easy lies. Oh, I you know I love everything about LA, <laughs> big shit eating grin. And then he like walks out with and just leaves all this stuff like. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's not and i don't even think it's like a film flub i think it's more just like he doesn't yeah. care he doesn't, doesn't like he's, he's basically letting them know like yeah I don't, I don't how much money do they spend on this movie and making danny devito magazines books that, <laughs> that all over that, that on that wall. That, yeah that that, that, that that gift shop at the airport is just apparently martin weir is the only celebrity yeah. <laughs> it's just so, only. Like, they, they didn't half-ass it though they didn't put like one book they put everything right, on the just, there's, 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 there's martin's book and there's playboy and that's it there's nothing else in he's, that store no no there's a people magazine too there's oh, another yeah, sorry, one on the top back right. it's crazy just, it's like he's all layers over every magazine space. what i want to know is when this movie was over who went home with the giant painting of him like as a like a roman <laughs> senator <laughs> that's a great point i'm gonna google that see where that thing's at that's funny so I, I, I'm the one guy out of these that's going to bring some uh, some of these things up, but uh -oh. Martin Weir, this whole character, like, what, what is what does this character do in in the movie uh, aside from like he's that, that kind of fun movie of that scene where he like he's making the faces and like I don't understand like it, this character is more like he's supposed to be this huge uh, like Oscar winning or at least respected actor. Dustin Hoffman, and, like. He's acting like no one's ever played like a made guy before, and this is the role of a lifetime. I, I, I don't know about I, I don't, this. Character. I don't think. I think you're thinking a little too much about. it. I think it's a thing where it's like any actor who's at that point in their career where it's like, yeah, they're big time, whatever. They've got ten thousand scripts thrown at their agent like daily, probably, right? I mean, they're whatever. So when they hear something that they think sounds good, right, the the, the hubris kicks in, the, the the ego kicks in. It's like, well, I want to do this now. That becomes my thing. Um, and I think that's just, I think he's just, you know, fill in the blank, generic, famous guy, movie star, you know, and, and, and that we're all, we're just supposed to sort of marvel at his hubris and his ego. And although uh, Leonard said it was Hoffman in his own experiences based on Dustin Hoffman. That's really, that's funny. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair. Um, he was, he's a short guy. <laughs> we haven't given any credit to Scott Frank yet. Uh, I want to, I want to shout out to Scott Frank, the, the screenwriter. Um, you know, he, he's the one that found the comedy in the book, right? He's the one, he's the one that Elmore Renard re read that script and went, I didn't know I wrote it. This, this was a comedy, <laughs> um, but it turns out it is. Um, and, and Scott Frank has gone on to have a great career, Deadpool and that kind of stuff. So, so shout out to him. Um, and also we haven't talked about Gene Hackman yet. Let's talk, let's talk about yeah. Gene. Yeah. I yeah, mean, he plays this straight, right? He's the straight guy. <laughs> He, he's the straight guy, but he's also like, you know, he's the dumbest fuck out of all of them. Maybe it's yeah, so he's not, he's the fool. He's not the straight guy. He's the, yeah, fool. he's the fool. He's the yeah, fool. Like nothing more foolish than when he, then he gets drunk and, and calls Ray bones and like invites yeah. him over. Like just like, what on earth are you doing right now, dude? Like this is the worst idea. So Eric, you're talking about like, like kind of a lack of stakes. And I totally agree with you. It's a low stakes thing. Generally, these people are not in like bodily danger at a given moment. I get that. I also don't care, but I agree with you that it's true. Uh, the times when we do have like, real stakes i think are parts where you know delroy lindo and his and his 
partner, Ronnie, are there, you know, potentially threatening Harry. We, I feel like the, they could hurt him. I believe they'd hurt him. And they do. anything and involving, for, well, and eventually, right. But everything involving Ray Bones, right? He is a sinister character who we know has no problem hurting anyone, right? He punches Faye in the face within moments like right of meeting her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so, so when Harry screws up, he tends to screw up at the times that could cause the most violence to occur to him possibly right because he does it when when uh, uh Bo and ronnie are you know chili wants to get rid of Bo and ronnie for him and he screws up every instruction he's given and does the opposite of everything he could possibly do and everything he could do wrong he does and they remain in the picture and then he invites ray bones to la i mean literally tells him to come come on dip right. shit, get over here right and <laughs> without that part the the movie really doesn't end up going anywhere right if ray bones never comes to la uh, do we give a shit about any of the money or like whether this movie gets made? Like it really doesn't matter. We need Ray Bones to come in and it's only because, you know, because Harry, you know, Zim doesn't ask for dick. Right. And so that's why, <laughs> that's why, uh, you know, Bones comes. So I think that, that that's why I think, I think of Harry as like the fool. It's like, he's there to screw up in the most plot advancing way possible at any given moment. Uh, and I think he does. He's hilarious. I mean, when Hackman does comedy, he he is downright hilarious, and he I know he didn't want to do the picture, but he's so funny in his 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 role. The problem for me is twofold. Okay, I'm sorry to be that guy, but a he is like a schlock movie producer who does like these like silly like what are like his movies called like like grotesque or one and two or whatever creatures. Yeah, I think <laughs> you could have squeezed a little bit more Hollywood satire out of him if he was maybe a like a more pronounced and well-known producer because that whole B movie like deal aspect seems a little one note for me. And it really doesn't go much of anywhere And two, after he gets attacked by Ray and uncle Rico, he's largely kind of just written out of the picture for the last 30 minutes. Yeah. Is there much movie left at that point? Like he ends up in the hospital and and then ends up at the brunch with, with, with Martin, when he realizes they're not making his movie, they're making Chili's movie. And and that's a a hilarious moment. Yeah. It's a very funny scene. Hilarious moment, I think. And I think that, um, you know, the thing about him being a schlock producer, you need this, you need two things, I think. And the reason that it works for him is a, he needs to want to get better and do something bigger. And if he was already kind of mainstream mainline, that wouldn't be so much of a drive, right? He really wants to, he talks about at the beginning in Karen's house, Chili comes in the middle of the night. He talks about the Leo DeVoe story. Oh, he wants to, he's got the money. He wants to mix up with the celebs and all this stuff. And he's like, you know, that's Harry talking about himself, right? Obviously that's not, he's not talking about Chili's story. So he wants to go up a level. And then second, if Harry were a more mainstream mainline sort of producer director, he wouldn't need gangster money to make his movies. And if he doesn't need gangster money to make his movies, why is he in this world with Bo and Ronnie and, and eventually with Ray and Chili? So I think that those are that, that schlock movie thing is kind of an important part just to keep, again, he's kind of the reason the plot keeps moving along in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. Obviously Chili does things, but Harry Zim is kind of why we keep having trouble to get out of mm-hmm. <laughs> if it weren't for his idiocy and, and bumbling, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Right. Look, I mean, look at how he responds when uh, Chili comes in to help him. He tells him all the stuff to do, and then he does none of it. He does the exact opposite of what Chili tells to do. Tells him to do. I think Eric. I mean, and, you know, your opinions are your own. If if you didn't care for the movie, you don't care for the movie. But I think that something that you that that might put it in a different uh, light for you is that. I mean, this is a hangout movie, right? This is a hangout movie with a little bit more of a plot than most hangout movies, because this this is this is a this is a movie where you're just like you're just gonna get it to know a bunch of funny characters, a bunch of wacky characters interacting with one another, and they're doing stuff and like you know like 
like I mean, like to get all hung up, like what is a function of so and so? Like I don't know that necessarily always matters. Some of these, some of these people are just here because they're just fun characters. Yeah, great That's points, true. Scott and Travis. Like I can see both of those for me. Uh, like and I, Scott Frank is one of my favorite screenwriters. His script for Out of Sight is top ten of the uh, '90s, in my opinion. Jackie Brown is my favorite Tarantino film, and at least it's getting up there. Sounds like you're a Leonard fan. <laughs> but in both of those yeah. Elmore Leonard adaptations, we've got characters that I really care about and I get really worried when they're in danger. And this, personally, I just really didn't care that much about anybody. Honestly, um, that's I, fair, I think. Yeah, yeah Sorry, I Travis, think that is. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. I think it's one of the only people that gets in real danger is Harry, and we're kind of not meant to care about him that much. You know, we're, he's not that empathetic, but he's yeah. the one that's really in the most danger. I mean, do we ever for a moment think Karen is going to get shot or that Bo is going to hurt her when he kidnaps her? I don't think for a second that that's the case, right? Because it's not still a comedy. Acting. Yeah, <laughs> it's still a comedy. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you one thing I really dislike about this movie. Uh, John Lurie's score is a blatant ripoff of Herbie Hancock's Cantaloupe Island. Cantaloupe Island. <laughs> I mean, I just, the whole time I'm just like, I'm like, this is amazing. This the 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 the, the craven theft taking place here. It's just a complete ripoff. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a good point. I was actually annoyed by it. I'm like, okay, oh. here's this goofy score yeah, and it's all kicking in you know some goofy's about to happen or some hijinks are about to go down with that uh, awful uh, like 90s pink font that starts the movie uh, up i'm like that's i, so, I, I and the grammys i and the grammys hard disagree just just for the record oh. I, I love glory oh. score it did win a grammy award Heads up. Uh, this, this, this won a grammy yes it did for this oh, yeah for the score it shouldn't yeah. have well it did Holy yeah. cow. <laughs> i don't know what it was up against maybe it was only up against you know I, I must not have been Michael against goes Kirby West. Han I have no idea, I hope, but like, I hope it wasn't against Kirby <laughs> Hancock. He would have been very upset. Probably. By the way, if you guys Google giant Danny DeVito painting, get shorty, <laughs> his career has gone in such a direction with It's Always Sunny that there's like a billion posters and new paintings. Uh, it's just, you'll never find it. I don't know where it is. It's long gone. It's out of control. People love Danny DeVito, which is, you know, it's totally deserving. He's classic. He's great. But I want to give Dennis Farina credit in this movie. I just love watching Dennis Farina, man. I, I don't oh, yeah. care what it is. What I know he got typecast a bit as like, you know, this is to me, this movie and uh, Snatch. He's, yeah. he's the same thing. England. He's like, I'm, yeah, he's on an airplane. He's pissed. He's saying fuck a lot. And that's cool. I could see it all day, though. I could watch him do it for hours. So I want to make sure Mr. Farina gets my full, full credit and awards even though he's dead uh, he was in empire falls and he was actually laugh out loud funny in that uh mini series dennis Freeman, a former chicago cop too it's unbelievable right yeah he really was a cop yeah uh, I'll never forget Dennis Farina for teaching me, uh, you know, in a roundabout way, the difference between uh, IE and EG, because this is definitely the movie. <laughs> yes, this is the first time I, I didn't take like any kind of Latin in high school. So uh, that's a great know. line. I want to download that quote. Yeah. IEEG, who gives a fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, e, e, good G, stuff. Fuck you. Did I think you guys Travis's know? computer is uh, dying. We're going to switch him out here. Oh, We're going to remove him from oh, the computer and oh. add him on the phone. Hi, hey, Travis. Oh, hey, hey. hey, it's better than nothing. I figured this is yeah, better than nothing. Yeah, that's great. We're happy to have you. Welcome to the show. We're doing Get Shorty. And, uh, no, we're getting, we're slowly getting to the end. So let's, I want to tie up any loose ends before we get to our final, final calls here, guys. Get them all out. Did you guys know that Barry Sonnenfeld doesn't like this movie at all? He thinks it's boring and one of his worst films. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, why? Why? I don't know. That's funny. I, I find the movie boring. Maybe Barry <laughs> Sonnenfeld didn't like his cut or something. I, I don't know, but it's bizarre. So I, I had a few things that kind of popped up to me that maybe 
I wouldn't care about necessarily, but it's fun to bring up nitpicky stuff uh, when you're doing a conversation like this. Uh, it never, ever, ever rains in Los Angeles like it does the moment that Chili Palmer is picking up his rental car. The, 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 the torrential <laughs> typhoon downpour that you notice is occurring then and we're to assume an hour or two later, he's at Karen Flores' home where you can hear crickets. How often do you hear crickets in a rainstorm right there? There's no there's no rain falling when Harry looks Dude, out the, the back often, of the pool. How often it's, is it 34 degrees in Miami? Well, fair, yeah, but like this is, yeah, this, this was, true. at least they explained that. Like, oh, it's Miami. How weird is that? This is just like, oh no, it's raining. Here's your minivan. Uh, you know, yeah. And then, yeah. and then Karen's house. We, Harry looks outside, sees the the pool. We don't hear like waves or anything. We hear crickets. But later on in the movie, uh, Chili and Karen are sitting out back of her house at the beach. I'm not. Did, did you catch that? There's <laughs> like that a sunset smoggy, and the, the smoggy, smoggy sunset. sunset. Yeah. I like that oh, scene. Sunset, <laughs> but like, but, but where, uh, where are they? What? Oh, like, most of Los Angeles is not beach. Believe it or not, there's a, there's a whole inland of that city. Like, you want to drive three hours to so go have this romantic moment? It's no, something, I'm not uh, yeah. it's something I'm not of a fantasy, anywhere. right? The movie is something of a fantasy. I mean, it's, yes, it's like deliberately kind of like a, it's like a playful stab at Hollywood, and like, I don't, I don't know how seriously we're supposed to be taking it. It is ultimately like this right. supposed to be like a kind of a goofy comedy. I right. mean, Elmore Leonard's book that that sounds like it was something else. Like we were supposed to take that seriously, but this movie is not that. That's so a fair I was point. Wondering- I also want to point out two things that happen when when we go into Martin's house. Uh, Chili and Karen come over, right? And they they want to talk to him about this movie. One, he has an Oscar. They literally pan past it. So even oh. though Harry refers to him as Oscar nominated, some reason they they left that on set, I guess. Yeah. And then funny. what the hell are, is are his couches made of stone? <laughs> Did anybody catch this? They look like marble or cement oh, or something. Deep. They have cushions, so at least there's like some salt. But like, I would notice that like underneath, you know, so Danny Vito's arm, it's like. It looks like broken concrete, like Greco-Roman <laughs> pillars. Yeah. I guess maybe, yeah. Maybe it's supposed to be marble. That would yeah, at least would be like fancy, you know. He, um, and then the last thing star. I want to say, the last thing I want to bring up because I wrote these stupid little notes, but like uh, several times we see the and the famous Angeline billboard on top of Harry's office building. These popped up all over Los Angeles in the eighties, um, and the woman uh, who was featured in the billboard, who had done nothing famous to deserve, she just literally bought these billboards featuring her back then ran for governor in 2003 the last time we had a recall election and is back on the ballot in 2021 so good luck uh, to angeline running for california governor oh, geez. a lot of really no... qualified candidates oh god yeah, that was, that was, yeah. the worst thing about california politics is the recall Jesus. what about the fact i'm not slut shaming here at all i'm just saying karen's in bed with harry when we first meet them but then she's with Chili pretty quickly. Like that relationship. But she's, not, but she's not with Harry. Right. She's, it's clear that they didn't do anything because she went to bed first, told him you could sleep in the maid's room, I guess is a thing so, she has. Yeah. But they're sharing a Chili. bed, so they're not banging? They're not banging. No. No. Harry they snuck sh- into bed while she was asleep. Oh, I think that's pretty clear from their conversation. And they may have right. there may have been a little bit of hanky panky, something going on there, but she was I don't clearly, care. I mean yeah. fuck who you want, what you want. I'm just Yeah. But she wasn't that into him. I mean, she's clearly not that into him. And he's Renee the kind of Ruth, guy though. that, like, when when like there's an uh, intruder in the house, he's checking out the leaves of the pool. Which they actually does later. But. Yeah, the pool comes up twice in the movie, which is interesting. So, do they give Karen enough to do in the movie? In your opinion, yes. Uh, what does she do? She's an she actress do? that's struggling. She wants to get credit yeah, for like legit work. She's not struggling. No, she, she, wants, she wants more. She wants more. 
Well, that's I'm she, talking she, professionally, professionally. She, she, and she gets more. She, she's using the whole situation to segue from acting, which is you know what she's known for, but not getting the work that she used to, and never liked the work that, very much that she was getting in the first place. And she's segueing into producing, so she's taking a whole like career, like step up. In, uh, in, in throughout the course of this film. And also, I think that she's like a consistently strong and like resilient uh, ca- uh, character that, that, that um, you know, she, she stands up to Chili. She stands up to every man in the movie. She stands yeah. up to him and holds her own. Um, and, uh, and, and I also have always kind of really liked the romance between her and Chili because it's so underplayed. It's so just like uh, it's just very natural and it's just kind of like a, this really organic thing that happens throughout the course of the movie. Like they don't even talk about it hardly. It just happens. And I, and I like that. Yeah. Yeah. When they when they finally do kiss, it's, it's sort of like you both expected it to happen because like they've just sort of been hanging out together and clearly developing something. But also it's a it's a moment that I found myself kind of like, oh, hey, look at that. They actually kiss. I had forgotten right. that moment. And it's not like surprising, <laughs> but it is kind of like it feels organic and it feels like it feels earned, you know, it feels like yeah. we've watched yeah. them do this. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it's not like a sex scene or whatever, but it's like, you know, but even just this moment of like tenderness between them, which obviously Chile doesn't have a ton of, um, you know, does feel earned. And I think that that's to credit. I also want to point out, like, especially for this era of filmmaking, the age appropriateness of these two for each other as actors yeah. was awesome. Like, you know, th- this is, this is a kind of time when you would be seeing, you know, James Bond dating women 30 years younger than him or whatever. And, and every time you can, you got Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta Jones together or whatever. And, and to have these two be, you know, probably, I mean, I don't know exactly, but within a year or two of each other at age is, yeah. is kind of refreshing. That's a great call. And I've always yeah. liked Renee Russo. She's, very subtle actress. She just seems to tag along in this one for me personally. It, well, it's. I think. Her. I don't think you're. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're wrong, Eric. I think. I. I don't think you're wrong. But I think that that there is there is a purpose that she plays that is to first of all, you know, this movie would not pass the Bechdel test, right? There's no two women talking to each <laughs> other <laughs> about something else, right? But um, but her purpose in this is is a she is sort of leading Chile through the world of, of this Hollywood producer stuff at the same time, realizing she knows enough, you know, basically if this Goomba from Miami can do this, like I can do this, you know, like, like I, I know more than he does. I can do this. And this is where I'll have control rather than mm. crawling out of graves all day. Yeah. What a scream, da da da. You know, she'll be able to be in control <laughs> and do this. Um, and I think that honestly, it's it's like it's like Bo, you know, Delroy Lindo has like maybe my favorite line of the entire film, which is what's the point of living in LA if you're not in the movie business? And I mean high up in it. And that's I think that that is the driving force for all these characters. Every one mm-hmm. of them is trying to advance their careers. Chili is obviously moving into a completely different career. And 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 uh Karen trying to move, you know, mm-hmm. from in front of the camera mm-hmm. to behind. But I think that that is what you're we're right. seeing is is she is driving his journey through the movie business as a, a sort of proxy for her own. And then, yes, that makes it, she means that she's following in a sense, but following from the front, like in a way, you know, but then yeah, yeah. Her, her career course does sort of follow Chili's, but it's because she's driving that. Yeah. I think you make good, good points. I mean, you're watching Zim trying to become a le- legitimate, you're watching uh, Bo trying to like get into the industry. They're all, you know, they're all trying to step up. Yeah. That's well said. <clears throat> Boy, we had a lot of great points here. We covered a tremendous amount of ground here on the Cinema 9 Pod with Get Shorty, 1995 film. Not the stupid TV show, folks. This is a movie. Well, we feel, even if it is good, it's being underplayed. This movie's not being given enough credit, time, and energy 
in cyberspace, which is a term from the 90s. So Ooh. I want to give the movie full credit for that. But it's it's about that time. We got to get to that point where we finally make our call on this movie. Does it hold up or not? It's our signature segment. We do it every week on the Cinema 9 podcast. Um, I can't remember. Do we let our guests go last or first? Usually the person who picks the movie usually goes first, right? Or Let's how give do we the option. Do what would you prefer, Steve? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll head it off. That's fine. We'll, we'll start it up. Uh, I think that as a movie, uh, I think this, this, okay, let me, let me start it this way. I know that there's some confusion and I've had it too. And I know you guys have it too. What the hell exactly does, does it hold up mean? Right. Are we just <laughs> saying, we go do again. I still think yeah, this is a good movie or is there more <laughs> of a, could this movie have been made today? That's, um, yeah. Kind of what I there, learned to is it is it still relevant if it came okay. out now? And, and, so no. that, I mean, that's not what I do. That's <laughs> not what I do either. Yeah, really. So it's funny because I think there are, there are parts of there are things that happen in this movie and, and little moments that make me feel like it's even older than it is. Like it feels like the late '80s in a lot of ways. The way people are dressed, it looks like Christmas at Nakatomi. You know, they're smoking indoors. Can I use your phone? You know, everybody's <laughs> reading the newspaper. There's all kinds of, you know, Harry picking up the phone operator. Uh, I need Las Vegas information. What the hell? What is this like? <laughs> Klondike Five? Like, what are you doing? Like, um, so there's is that. This so, Miami Blues? What's going yeah, on in, here? In a lot of those senses, the movie does not hold up. Uh, I also think that if this movie were made today, they would not be calling him a Shylock for sure. I think it's inappropriate. Um, yes, I do is. actually like to take. Uh, I think Tra uh, boy Travis and Eric and combined to, to with the, the whole comment of Morgan Freeman being a quote colored guy and, and Delroy Lindo's reaction to that, and that ended up making more sense to me, um, give, given uh, Lindo's casting and, and how different that is. Um, all that having been said, you know, I do not think that this is like an egregiously backwards movie that you know we have to sort of like cancel because it's done something horrible. I don't think that at all. Uh, and and you know. Obviously, I think it holds up in the sense that I think it's a great movie. Still worth watching for anybody, I think. Um, but, you know, I brought it to the table, so I, I, I better like it, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I could have intended to bring something oh, that's, that hated. But. I mean, right, that's true. We're on the show every week, so we can bring up movies that even we might not even know if they hold up anymore. We do. We get to ask that right. question. But since well, you're getting the one off. Clearly, as the most engaging guest host you've ever had, you're going to be <laughs> back. So Yeah, you know, clearly. I mean. <laughs> We are grateful for your passion, man. You really, you've definitely brought a lot of passion and tons of information to this show. You are as good as guests as anybody else. I will say that. Yeah, that goes for we'll you too, Chad Gibbons. I love Chad Gibbons, but hey, you're getting a run for your money here. Ange, next time you come on, you're going to have to bring it. Uh, okay, uh, I'll go next. Sure, I'll go. I don't care. Um, I never saw this movie, so I didn't have a nostalgic feel. I didn't have to have any type of baggage, if you will, with this film. I got to just watch it and see it and experience it for the first time. And in fact, I watched it twice because uh, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, I've kind of enjoyed this. And the first time you watch a movie, you're kind of like, you don't know what to expect because it's all new for the first time. So I wanted to make sure I got a second viewing of it so I didn't miss anything or I understood at least some of the movie's intentions. And... Yeah, there's things that don't hold up, uh, but I mean, like, there are still gangsters today that probably punch a woman in the face to get information out of her. I mean, that happens. So I'm actually of the school where I kind of like more true-to-life verbiage and actions of cruel, awful people that do exist in this world. The movies aren't always about a fairy tale. There's Disney movies. You can save all the Disney movies for the fairy tales and the happy wonders of the world that exist in fantasy land. Um, I think that this movie holds up. I thought it was entertaining. I was entertained. I thought John Travolta was really fucking good, too. I don't even say that enough today. He was outstanding, and I know this was part of his cold comeback, but he was... <laughs> 
he was just good in this, and he made me believe his character as much as anything I'd ever seen him. And I was really impressed with his efforts. So I'm in. This movie holds up. Yeah, why don't I go next uh, as the, kind of the odd <laughs> man out, obviously. I'll give you the last word, Travis. So for me, okay. uh, the movie is very unique uh, in terms of its genre. It's less cruel than Tarantino, and yet it doesn't have this smooth sexiness of Soderbergh and what he did with Elmore Leonard. Uh, so for me, it's it's kind of a, a middle ground. It's like okay pizza to me. Like, well, not exactly Domino's bad, but just okay pizza. Like, I'll <laughs> eat it. We've got a lot of humorous interactions, um, but that's about it in my opinion. We got these info dump plot scenes. And for me, it just doesn't hold up. I think there was a time and a place for this exact movie. I imagine it seemed super fresh at the time. Remember it having this huge marketing push, but in my opinion, it's just kind of a dumb mob comedy mixed with some tepid Hollywood satire. It's overconfident, in my opinion. It's crowded, in my opinion. So if you've never seen an Elmore Leonard adaptation, watch Jackie Brown or Out of Sight. And if you want Hollywood satire, watch The Player by Robert Altman. I think uh, they're both better films. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you right here. I, I think this movie holds up. I, I think that... Um... It's a fun movie. I think that it's a funny movie. I think that it's. Uh, I, I don't approach it. I don't approach the segment. Does it hold up? I think that, we're just saying quite the same way that you two guys do. Like to me, I'm, I, I, when I ask myself, does a movie hold up? I'm saying like I enjoyed this movie when it came out. I have not watched it in a long time. Does it still hold up? I mean, you know, is it still a good movie? That's it. Not does it. Could it be released now? You know, do I need to judge it by the standards of this time? That. None of that's on my radar so much. I'm just trying to see, like, I mean, you know, like when we when we watch Joe Dirt, like, yeah, a lot of the language <laughs> in there, a lot of the language in there, like, made it so it's hard to watch now. It's hard, it sucks the enjoyment out of it, um, um, it, because of the language, that, you know. But um, th for this, it's just, did I like this movie back in the day? Yes, I, I, I watch it now. It still holds up as a good movie to me. Um, it was definitely one that. Um, it may have slumped a little bit towards the end, but I think that that's kind of more again, like because I've watched it so many times that like I, I kind of get a little bit bored with it because I've seen it so many times. Um, but, and then one last thing I wanted to say that I didn't mention while we were talking about the rest of it. I do love that. There's like this moment where John Travolta is making fun of the three men, the uh, three men, the baby movies. Like I could never do movies like that. He's like fresh off of look who's talking three or whatever. <laughs> But, uh, when that happened, yeah. I thought for a second. I even said to my wife, I was like, oh, that's right, because he was in that. No, wait, he wasn't in that. Oh, he was in Look Who's Talking. Like, it took yeah. me a moment to realize he wasn't yeah. kidding himself. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So, yeah, a lot of meta jokes. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, it's a little heavy with the Tarantino. Um, it's clearly trying to be a Tarantino movie in some ways. Uh, and you know, I don't care for that. There's, you know, there's some missteps. But overall, yeah, this movie is still pretty good. Yeah, you know, in a movie like this, when... When Lindo and Travolta are actually talking about the script in Harry's office, you can see that they wouldn't have to be gangsters necessarily. Like they they go beyond that. There's a love for mm -hmm. movies between them. That kind of stuff in this movie to me makes it interesting and entertaining. And I like it's that. The 90s, man. They they really started to try to humanize even gangsters and people in these these roles as terms yeah. of the career go. And I, I dig that. It makes them more human and and, and like well. I think that one of the legacies of this film that is probably overlooked, uh, 
And I think it's, it's a legacy of the marketing campaign. And, and you're right that the just ubiquitous nature of that, of that one sheet with the four of them on it, with their sunglasses and leather jackets is, I don't know how <laughs> if you guys have seen uh, the film burn Hollywood burn an Alan Smithy film, a mockumentary um, it's, I think it's hilarious. It's, it is very much an acquired taste, um, but they, they, they are spoofing. They're doing a documentary. So it's a mockumentary. So it's sort of a spinal tap concept, right? And it's about the making of a film by a man named Alan Smithy. Who 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 can't then use the not the, the the nom de plume Alan Smithy, which the DGA gives to its directors when they hate a movie they've made. Um, yeah. And but the key of it is that it's an action film where they've they've gone out of their way to get the biggest stars of the year. So they've got Sylvester Stallone, Jackie Chan, and Whoopi Goldberg together in an action movie. And I feel like putting <laughs> Gene Hackman, John Travolta, Rene Russo, and Danny DeVito together in a comedy <laughs> it very much informed that concept in that, in that film. So I will always love uh, Get Shorty's uh, marketing campaign for for spawning an entire other film. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. Joe Esterhaus is the writer on that, too? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, do that. Oh, and there's a thing. The actual director actually alan smithy himself on that movie wait there really it, it, it's an so alan smithy? oh alan smithy is the name the dga says oh no 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 the, the guy who actually directed the movie disowned Burn, it, Burn, <laughs> disowned it. Yeah. but then in the movie uh is it eric idol somebody plays the the uh director whose name is alan smithy who then so then can't disown the movie that gets made, the movie within the movie. Anyway, yeah. Uh, but yeah. I'll check that out. I'll see if I can find that. That sounds great. Yeah. Burn Hollywood Burn. Very good. Maybe you know you can pick it for your next one, Mike. I'll listen. Oh, bye. That's right. <laughs> hey, I'll look forward to that. Steve Paolo, what a great job today. We're yeah, very man, lucky and fortunate yeah, to have Steve awesome. in. Lots Definitely. Of fun. You hold up, Steve. You hold hey. up as a guest host. And we want to thank Steve for coming on the show. If you like what you heard, you can follow Steve, of course, on Twitter at Steve Paolo. P A U L O. Very simple. Steve Paulo, he does great <laughs> work it. and uh, he's got his own websites too. If you're into like betting and stuff beyond movie stuff, right, Steve? You got all kinds most, of stuff. Yeah, there, so. most, most of my, my social media presence is sort of fantasy baseball oriented. Uh, I did, I did try to do uh, a thread of 31 movies for the month of March. Didn't actually make it have three oh, left that I never, I got <laughs> oh, through well, 29. I think I ended up with, I think Tombstone was the last one. I got three more that I actually should, uh, should probably do at some point, but yeah, it's a nice long thread of like my absolute favorite movies. This of course was on it. Uh, and so, uh, one of the reasons I picked it. There it is. Uh, remember, cinnamonipodproptimemail.com and follow us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help us out. We would love a quality review. But having said that, it's Travis's turn. We're back to the top of the rotation. What's going to be next week's film, Trav? All right. Well, I, I picked a movie. We're going back to good. the year. Yes, it is good. Um, we're going back to the year 1990, going real far oh, back. I think, yeah. I think the farthest back I've gone. Um, <laughs> why does this upset you? Because we're still in the 90s? Uh, I don't know. It's totally unfounded. Completely unfounded. I mean, you just threw no, your down. hands in the air and glowered at me. So, I mean... <laughs> Sorry, no, this great. was made in 1990. I picked 2014. I picked 2012. Come on. True. <laughs> you done a fine job. All right. Um, so we're going back to 1990 with a, a, a film that uh, seemed like it was going to be like it was going to be around forever. And instead, it just kind of became like one iconic scene. And people don't really talk about this movie anymore. But for a while, it was huge. Um, directed by Jerry Zucker. I'm talking about Ghost. Wow. We're doing Ghost. Ghost. This wow. was huge. This, this was, was a huge, huge, hugely famous film. 
yeah. brought Ghost. the righteous brothers like Jerry Zucker of all people. Unbelievable. Jerry Zucker. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and you know, this is a weird blend of comedy and supernatural and drama and mystery, and like there's all kinds of stuff going on in this movie. Didn't she win the Academy Award or was she at least uh, yeah. nominated? She, Whoopi Goldberg won. She, was nominated. Goldberg. she, she won. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So support. Yeah, I'm glad I brought up Whoopi uh, just moments ago because I was, was uh, so grateful that you did. <laughs> <laughs> also, that movie that movie has the and I'm and you know, obviously you guys are gonna get into it next week, but that movie has the best villain death moment of like any movie that is yeah, no, of any movie. I just we'll I love the way the villain dies. Oh my god. We'll see. Yeah. I can't Tony Goldwyn. We'll see if the rotoscoping right. scoping holds up. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, Michael, you're not gonna say it? The line? Get off my trade. Not yet. I was All gonna, right, yeah, I'm gonna saving it. <laughs> That's an interesting uh I'm surprised yeah, that you chose this, but I'm I'm cool with it. I'm surprised. I'm, it's great. Ghost. This is good news. Ghost. All right. Michael Patrick all right, yeah, and uh, we get to do a little deeper dive at Patrick Swayze. We've only really got to talk about him with Donnie Darko. So, the last time we did a movie from 1990 was Darkman. So I'm That's hoping right. uh, oh, maybe yeah. to get a little bit more out of this one. Uh, but we'll hopefully, find out. we'll see. By the way, uh, Steve, you like Darkman? Is that a movie that you enjoyed? Nope. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Steve. Enough said. All wow. right, there it is. Thank you to Steve Follow for joining us. Make yeah, sure you guys you. follow him on Twitter. Wow. It's been a pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. It was awesome. Yeah, it really back. was. Yeah. Good stuff, man. We'll see you guys next week on the Cinema 9 Podcast. <laughs>